So welcome along to this Sermon Expanded, which is on Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 19, which is the sacrifice of Isaac and Abraham as he sacrifices his one and only son. Uh, I, I'd, I was looking back, I was trying to find this stuff and can't, uh, and I know I had talked about doing this for quite a while, this Sermon Expanded, this extra Sermon Expanded, because this wasn't actually a sermon as such, it was but it wasn't in Garnerville. I did it in Harvest uh, in the Church of Ireland, not going to Church of Ireland, the Church of the Annunciation on the 14th of October in the evening for their harvest. And so I, it gave me a good opportunity to plan and prepare for it. But I had been talking about this a while ago. It had come up earlier in Genesis and I can't actually find the part where I did it. I, I didn't get a chance to listen back through all the Sermon Expanded podcast that we've done and so I can't and so if, if you can remember or if that picked your curiosity and you can tell me please do what it was in reference to because I can't find it. I've been looking back through to see how it fitted into the earlier stories. There's obviously some big overarching theme that we'll think about um, and we'll see how it fits in. It might come back to me, it might not and I might have to keep searching tomorrow if that happens. I'll jump back on and send a just a short podcast out just to remind you all, but I think it was in terms of the story of Israel as the nation and where this book of Genesis was going to. It was a book that was written to these slaves when they were in Egypt. It was a book to tell them about how they ended up in this place. And if we're thinking about the sacrifice of Isaac, there's a sense of suffering within it. There's a sense of something harrowing and hard and difficult, which something wonderful then comes out of. I don't think that was a link, but that was the, that's the link I'm going with now. Uh, and so we can read that. It, in Geisler, which is a popular survey of the Old Testament, it says that we've already seen in Genesis 1-11 the origin of the universe, man and the nations. And in these later, later chapters, we trace the creation of man. Oh, sorry. In those chapters, it's creation of man and fall and destruction, as well as the eventual dispersion. Here, then, we see the initiation of a godly line and the election of the chosen nation. It ends with the dispersion of the nation which God rejected and his attention now turns from the scattered nations to his dealings with one particular nation through which he will fulfill his promise to bless the peoples of the earth. The beginning of this chosen nation is found in God's call to Abraham. We've dealt with that promise. We've dealt with the covenant that God gives to that promise. And now we deal with a huge factor in this Genesis 22 it's good comes at this timing because like a lot of passages we can, and maybe you have read this one before in Genesis 22, you can pause this and take a few moments to read that if you would like and that would be good. But you could read this just first off and it's a lot like what we do in any Bible passage. We jump in and we read a particular passage and we don't know a lot of the backstory but we can read a passage and we can come up with these ideas, we can look with shock and horror at some of the things that happen within these passages and we from that and from those notions draw ideas about God, about who God is, about his actions, about what he's trying to do through this, about how good or bad he seems, about how right or wrong he seems and we miss all that's gone before. And so if we were to jump into this passage just now having not dealt with anything in Genesis that had gone before it might seem 
harrowing and hard and difficult but we wouldn't understand the extent of that because we wouldn't understand this full promise that Abraham has been given and the last two sermons that we've had the expanded series we've had have dealt with what that promise has been about who it's come from about what has initiated it, about the way that's gone about it, about the questions that Abraham has about the the fact that he and his wife just can't understand how this will happen and yet God promises it and so when we come to this part in Genesis 22 where God tested Abraham and said to him Abraham Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. We don't understand the full impact of that statement until we've, we know all that's gone before. And so it's a good opportunity. This is a good reason why we go through these books in series. And then it simply says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. They cut the wood and he goes what must have been going through his mind, what must have been happening to him. He doesn't tell his wife about this. That's the first thing we observe from it. Something that he deals with on his own. It's something that he has to work through and understand on his own. It's a burden. It's nothing other than a burden for him, which gets in. We know that and we can understand that from this passage that God has given Abraham this huge test. Why does he even want to test him? He knows the questions that Abraham has had. He knows what he has thought about this and yet God chooses to test him. And often this is a passage about Abraham's faith because in the next verse it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and goes. The third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar and Abraham said to the young man, Stay here with the donkey eye and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So Abraham texts and he goes and the both of them together and Isaac says to his father, uh, behold the fire in the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering Abraham says God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son so they both went together and on the story goes and Abraham binds up Isaac he raises the knife and then God calls out but Abraham shows this amazing faith to go and suppose and to trust that God would fulfill his promise the promises that he has made the promise that he had already said to Abraham that he would do we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, we read that um, by faith Abraham, this is starting in verse 8, sorry, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as a foreigner, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that was the foundations whose designer and builder was God. We skip ahead then a few verses into 17. By faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking he did receive him back. By faith Isaac invoked future blessings 
on Jacob and Esau. And so Abraham fully trusted that God would even bring him back from the dead, that God would do something miraculous. God had God was a God of truth. God was a, a God who could be trusted. Yahweh, this God, his God that Abraham had been um, following was a God whose word wasn't going to come back as a, as a lie. And so Abraham trusted and had faith that God would do something amazing, that if he killed his son, that if he sacrificed him, God would bring him back to life, that God would fulfill his promise. And so Abraham had this amazing faith. There is no doubt of that. There are some people who would say that this is a divine form of kind of child abuse, that it's just an evil punishment. And the fact that Abraham was willing to do this was a kind of insanity or showed a a form of abuse himself. But I think that falls when we look actually at the faith that Isaac had as well. He was of an age that he could have escaped. We can assume because he asks his father, he says, uh, sorry, he asks him what we read. Uh, My father, behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? In verse 7, Abraham says, God will provide. When they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built the altar, laid the wood, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him in the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Isaac was of age to understand the sacrificial system. He wasn't a child. He wasn't a toddler. He wasn't uh, an innocent, passive bystander. He wasn't tricked. I'm sorry, just to go back, Abraham says that to his young men in verse 5, stay with the donkey and the boy will go over there and worship uh, and come again to you. And it's a plural, it's we will come again to you. And so whether Abraham had been telling Isaac these things in the journey, we don't know. Whether Abraham had been explaining to Isaac, we can't be sure. But Isaac knew about the sacrificial system. He knew about worshipping this God. He knew about building an altar. He knew about the wood. He knew about all these things. He knew how to worship in the same way that Abraham had, had been and had done and we can assume that Abraham had been passing on to these things, these things on to Isaac to produce a faith in him because he was the promised seed. He was the promised blessing. And so Abraham had been teaching, had been nurturing, had been growing this faith in Isaac. He was of age to fight, to run away, to do whatever he wanted to do. But he comes across as this passive bystander, this passive victim, when actually we can assume that he quite happily and full of understanding stood there and maybe even held the cords in place as his father tied them, maybe even helped him arrange the altar in the wood, knowing that God would fulfill his promise, bring him back to life. It was the ultimate sacrifice that Isaac had. It, it was faith. You might even say it it was more and clearer and greater faith than Abraham because Abraham wasn't the one to die. Isaac was. He submitted to the will of his father. There was huge faith that was shown by Abraham and by Isaac. I suppose if we go on, it's a, 
It's a symbol of what is to come, this substitutionary atonement. Here, there's they use it later in the Passover lamb. When they come out of Exodus, Isaiah talks about the lamb that's led to slaughter. And in John's Gospel, John the Baptist talks about Jesus, the lamb of the world. Even um, in Matthew, Jesus is talked back uh, as the beloved who will take away the sin of the world. It's not a story about the past. It's not a story about Abraham and Isaac. It's not a story about Jesus. It's a story about God's provision for each of us. In Romans eight thirty two, it says, "He did not who who had he who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also give us all things with him?" Abraham sees the promise because at the end of that passage, as he raises the knife, he lays him in the altar on top of the wood. Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham." Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. But Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Again, he goes on then to say, the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offering as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and if in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived there. The Lord will provide. We looked at that in our last sermon, expanded the provision that God has for us, the way that God will provide for us, which is more than the promise of the physical, which is he, he provided physically here for Abraham, but his promise was much more than that. It was a, a land of blessing and bounty that laid before them, yes, but it was a spiritual blessing also. And that's, I talked about, this idea that this is just a foreshadow. Yes, God will provide physically for us, but God provides something even greater for us through Jesus. And so we can always say that God will provide. Yes, difficulty, yes, suffering will come, but God will provide. And as Genesis is written to these slaves who were in Egypt, who were under the hardship of the Egyptians, who had suffered there for years. It wasn't just a short period of time, it was years. And we go on to read in Exodus that the hardship that they faced, they would have read this story as hope of giving, of sacrifice, of hurt and pain, but the blessing and the provision that would come from that. And so in that short little time, we can see that this isn't a story of a crazy father with a passive son. We actually see a son and a father who unite in faith to know the provision of God, to see the blessing of God, 
to go through hardship and suffering together because we can only, well, we can't even begin to imagine the conversation that must have happened on the way up that mountain, which wasn't a short journey. On the way there for the days that weren't short days, but the promises that were clung on to and the hope that was there in the midst of it. And so that still remains for us. And so may you, in this on this day and these days, realise and know the provision of God, that God will provide, the promises of God that he has for you, the spiritual promises that he has for you, yes, what he will provide physically for you, but yes, what he has provided spiritually for you. And may you submit as Abraham, as Isaac did, to the knowledge and obedience to God, to his commands, to his seeking for your life. May you know that and so shall you know that he provides. Grace and peace, my brothers and sisters.